Weekend mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen. Replay from Money FM 89.3. Finally, mm. <laughs> after three years of mm. this back and forth. So, What's happening? You've got people on the ground in the UK talking to you and, well, and letting you know what's going on. Is is there has there been any discernible anything overnight in well, the last? Eight what's hours happening is hours? I'm wearing black, so that's that's pure coincidence, <laughs> I'm sure. Yes, I sent out my correspondence. Uh, I've got a, a friend uh, in the publishing industry, Chris Newson. He lives in Worcester in the Midlands, which is a, a an area of the Britain that struggles with a bit of post-industrial decay. He literally went walking around the streets for me uh, and he said, this is symbolic. The only flags he saw were French flags in mm. pubs for the Six Nations rugby. Oh, that's funny. Right. Then I, uh, I got a friend at Imperial College in London, a yeah. very multiracial, multicultural university. And they said, they got back to me, they said, and I'm, look, I'm reading her quote now, there's absolutely nothing happening. There's more buzz about the end of veganery, you know, the <laughs> vegan month where people went oh. vegan in the month of January, <laughs> than there is about Brexit. There's a sense of resignation. So uh, my last correspondent, Sue Gardner, full disclosure, she's my mother, but uh, <laughs> she's from Ramsgate, Kent. Now, yeah. Kent is important because Kent is the gateway, the literal geographical gateway to Europe. It's on okay. the south coast. That's mm. where all the shipping comes in from. Now, that is a serious proposition because people are genuinely worried down in Kent because when the new trade regulations, the new trade agreements are eventually finalised, and mm. we'll get to that, it will hit Kent the hardest. Mm. So they've already spent tens of millions of pounds preparing for the backlog, the traffic jams, as trucks, lorries coming in from the ships arrive into Kent mm. to then go through to wherever they're taking their right. deliveries to. They are extremely apprehensive in Kent. There's a sense of what happen now now so the mood overall on the side of remainers it's very subdued it's happened there's a sense of resignation there's uncertainty but the the more worrying uh, aspect i would say glenn mm. is that on the mood of brexiteers apart from nigel farage he had the big party the brexit party outside westminster last right. night you know very rah rah lots of flag waving jingoistic sentiment and so on <laughs> but generally the mood amongst Brexiteers, if you look at the right-wing tabloid media mm. this morning, that was very pro-Brexit, obviously, it's very placatory. There's not much rah-rahing. Mm. Two of the newspapers didn't even put it on their page one. Can That's you believe that? Yeah. Because they know that the bogeyman has now been removed. Mm. And for three and a half years, Glenn, they have said that this is salvation. This is getting our sovereignty back. This is getting back our borders, our independence, our economic controls. Well, now... The Remainers can stop complaining. They can actually turn around now and say the, the, the moral ball, if you like, is now in their court because now they can turn around and say, okay. Show us. Show us. Yeah. Because the, the interesting thing is now, now they've got to start delivering. That's the first thing. And now they've got to prove that Brexit is the economic nirvana that they said it was, even though just about every reasoned economic analysis says it's obviously going to hit Britain quite hard when they pull away from the biggest trading block on the planet. Hmm. The interesting, I guess, addendum to this for me is the fact that there's a whole year now until the 31st yeah. of December that everything is basically going to be the same. Yeah. So, you know, I guess that's a soft, a soft exit, a soft landing, whatever it is. Nothing really changes with the exception of Britain does not have a voice in the yeah. EU uh, chambers, right? Nothing happens till the 31st of December. Right. They will still have to stick to EU rules for now. They'll still have to pay into the EU budget. Britons, like myself, can still go through the EU citizens line at the airport. Things will only happen in that sense on the first day of 20. 
2021. But there will be other issues in the meantime, Glenn. These are the important things that you need to think about. One, Scottish people wake up this morning out of the EU against their will. Mm, mm. You're going to see a call now for a national referendum in Scotland for independence. Right. That's part one. Part right. two, Ireland, Northern Ireland, same thing. They're going to wake up this morning with a complicated, it will take a whole show to explain of how they're going to try and work out this uh, hard border, soft border, whatever you used to call it. But they're going to wake up now out of an EU that they wanted to be a part of. So you may see a growing call for unification of, mm. of Northern Ireland, of course, Southern Ireland, as we call it, air, that is separate and is obviously a part of the EU. The reality of Brexit will hit hard. In time, you're going to find that Britain's going to see they're going to need roaming charges to use their phones on the continent. They'll need health insurance. They'll need a special driving license. They'll need a visa to work or study. They'll have to queue in slower non-EU lanes at airports, at ferry terminals, and so on and so on. And then you're going to, and that's even before you get to the economic aspects of it. What's sad about this? Whatever you think, remain, leave. Last night, this group projected a video, a film, onto the White Cliffs of Dover. Mm. It was very poignant, almost made me cry, where it was World War II veterans, the people that, in theory, they're old. Right. There's a sentiment that older people tend to be more right-wing, mm-hmm. more jingoistic. Mm. But these people fought against the Germans in World War II, and they said this is the saddest day of their lives because wow. we saw what happens when you're not unified. Right. We saw what happens when you have a rise of nationalistic, jingoistic sentiment. We saw the literal ramifications of that. We fought and our friends died mm. to avoid that. And that was the saddest thing for me because, look, the economic impact, we don't know. What we do know is this, Glenn. It took three and a half years to reach an agreement to leave the EU. Boris Johnson has promised to settle everything within 11 months. Every trade negotiator I have read and <laughs> spoken to and, and seen said it is physically, intellectually, legally mm. impossible to okay. do all of the trade agreements that need to be done by December the 31st. But Boris Johnson has sworn... If we don't reach a deal, he leaves anyway. Anyway, That means right. Britain crashes out with a no-deal agreement. What does that mean? As you know, that means they would default to World Trade Organization terms, right? WTO terms, yep. which effectively places tariffs on some goods and will cause pain not only for the British, but also the European mm, economies. Mm. He could ask for a transition period. If he asks for a transition period, another extension, that will be the end of him. And that will be the end of the Conservative Party, and then you're back to square one. Yeah, but in the meantime, what, what damage has been done, right? Exactly right. Well, we already know that uh, I read a story that said, this is the scary part, the cost of Brexit already, and it runs into the billions and billions of dollars, right, has already exceeded the cost of membership for the last 47 years combined. <laughs> right? That's the kind of cost you're dealing with, all combined. So... So you're going to get arguments backwards and forwards, and we won't know a clear indication for the coming months. But what I will say is this, and this is the key part for Singaporeans, right? This is a trend. This Brexit vote is a trend. The economic ramifications, we don't know yet, right? We don't know. We just know it's going to be considerable. But what this does show is that this is part of a larger trend that involves your old country, the US, where a country, for whatever reason, has put national sovereignty and independence over political and economic integration, right? To put, to use, I mean, in other words, it's a backlash. It's a backlash against Mm. globalization. Mm. You're Mm. even feeling it in Singapore. Not in the same way, but you are feeling it in Singapore. 
Now, because of that, Britain is out of the biggest trading group on the planet after 47 years of, let's be honest, quite not always smooth sailing, but quite tricky integration. So my final point would be economic ramifications are considerable. We don't know yet. We've got 11 months to do a deal that people are saying can't be done in 11 months, but let's see what happens. But what I will say is this, from a historical point of view, Britain has had problems with Europe for over a thousand years, (laughs) right? We know this, in and out, in and out, in and out. But Britain has also never really been occupied by a foreign force since the Romans, right? That English Channel has been both a blessing and a curse. (laughs) That little stretch of water, Glenn, has saved Britain literally during World War II. It allowed the Dunkirk evacuation to happen. It meant that they could hold off the Luftwaffe, thanks to the glorious few in the Battle of Britain. That was the blessing. Unfortunately, it's also a curse. It created a bit of an island mentality, Mm. a post-imperialistic mentality, a very Churchillian we can stand alone. And if globalization has taught us anything, if the, if, if the virus this week, the Wuhan virus, has taught us anything, we cannot stand alone on any issue now because globalization is here to stay. And I think that 47 years of being part of Europe, ups and downs, good and bad, we can talk for the whole show about economic benefits, economic downsides. But what I would say finally is Europe has had 47 years of peace, mm. which is what it was established for in the first place. But the you know the other challenge that I see as a non-European is the fact that you know Great Britain has so many internal issues with its own borders and mm. with its own let's put it culture in air quotes right. Mm. Ireland, Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales, you know, like Britain has never really figured that out. Mm. Right. And now all of a sudden it's, it's going from being more or less together on that to splitting it up again, you know, uh, and and then coming back together as one. It it just, the whole thing is weird to me because those issues you talked about Scotland, uh, you know, exactly right. And of course the, the backstop with Ireland as well. um, Like these are, these are real internal problems that uh, just that go far beyond just we want to be the master of our own destiny and not worry about immigration anymore. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, you are going to get pressing calls for a unification between both halves of Ireland. That's going to have major economic uh, considerations. The Scottish thing, I think a referendum is absolutely inevitable. Again, it's, it's, an, it's another backlash against globalization. In this case, ironically not. It's two countries who want to be part of something bigger. Right. They'd rather. Mm. This is the interesting thing. With the Scottish and, and many Northern Irish, they would rather be part of Europe than part of the UK. Right. So what is, is, is sad, depending on your point of view, is that this uneasy, fragile relationship between the, the countries of the United Kingdom, you know, England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, could fissure and could fragment even further. And ironically, the little Englanders will get exactly what they wanted. They will literally, metaphorically, economically, culturally be standing alone, you know, to quote Churchill's Mm. speech. Mm. This is the last thing that England, Britain and Europe and the world needs right now. It's nationalistic, jingoistic sentiment. It's standing alone and being isolated. Look, you've got a rising... Well, we've got issues with China separately, but you've got a rising China, you've got a rising India... Who knows what's happening with the US? 
a, a trade agreement with the US will not save the UK, especially when it will be completely on US terms. The US, they're already talking about they'll have to buy their chlorinated chicken. <laughs> you know, it will be entirely on US terms. There's already been stories about the National Health Service, the medical service in the UK, and what an American government would want from that. They would want a certain aspect of that if there was to be any kind of trade deal. Right, it, it's right. laughable, laughable when Britain says, oh, we'll do a trading deal with Australia, a free trade agreement with Australia. A former prime minister, Malcolm Turnbull, said, we're flattered, but we are a fraction of the EU you know, in terms of size, in terms of an economic sure. trading bloc. We are a fraction of the EU. So whatever you gain from a trade agreement with the Australians, you're going to lose with what you're moving away from right. with the EU. Yeah. I think it's... It's, not a, it's certainly not a day for celebration, but I think the fact that even Brexiteers have a slightly uneasy, placatory attitude at the moment in the media tells you, it's almost like, you know, we've talked about this before where Trump was almost, oh, I've won. I never expected that. I've actually won. You know, I, I, I just wanted to have a, I just wanted to build my brand and you know make some more Trump hotels. I didn't right. actually expect to win. There's almost an element of that with Nigel Farage's Brexit party. You know, we're, we're, we've won, and it's going to happen now. Mm. And the bogeyman in the room is gone. So when things don't go the way we said they would, when we don't give three hundred and fifty million pounds to the National Health Service every week, which they promised, which was an economic absurdity. Mm. The backlash is going to be phenomenal. So again, I'm trying to be optimistic. I've already read a few pieces that yeah, said yeah. maybe, maybe when the reality hits hard after the end of this year, you may see an increasing clamor to go back. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.